Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 11.05 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 14th day of November 2023, and this is episode 822 of Bitcoin, and I can't wait for 828. Why? Because it's a palindrome show. I love palindrome shows. Palindrome shows are the best, and I always look forward to them. Now, where do we begin today? Oh, yes. Um, I'm working up a, a, I don't know. I don't know what you would call it. Is it an article, a, a write-up? A, I, I don't know what it is, but it's it'll be words on a page about a system of clearing underbrush in forests and using the fuel to mine Bitcoin. It's a little terrifying. When when I actually look at this thing, that this idea of what it would take to actually get into a forest and clear, you know, the, the dead wood off the floor. And first of all, I guess I should say, why the hell would I even do this? What what possible psychic or psychotic break could David have had to start thinking about something as ludicrous as this? Well, it's because of fuel loads in at least the forests of the United States. They're really heavy. Now, this actually goes for several other forests in different in different countries. I'm pretty sure Canada is not exactly fuel load free in their forests. And why does a fuel load matter? Well, because when that son of a bitch lights up, because forest fires always light up, there's enough fuel to make the fire hot enough to actually kill trees. Before we started managing forests, the way that we manage forests today, fuel loads were really low. Why? Because forest fires were allowed to burn. In fact, Native Americans would set forests on fire on purpose to help manage the land, and that would clear out underbrush and dead wood and dead pine needles. And the fuel load was always so light, it was just heavy enough to keep the fire going, but not heavy enough to boil off the sap in the trees, which is what will kill the tree. Believe it or not, a giant redwood, you you got to have a hot-ass fire to kill that son of a bitch. And generally speaking, like the lighter pine forests of the United States, again, you got to have a hell of a fire going on before you actually kill the forest. Most fires in the history of the United States generally have done nothing but actually increase the diversity and and livelihood of a forest. But now, because we continuously suppress these forests, the fuel load builds up and builds up and builds up. And when that son of a bitch catches on fire, and they always do, that fuel load is burned so hot because there's so much fuel 
that it will kill entire forests. This is something that, generally speaking, in nature has never happened before. So, I'm working on an idea that combines the best of cheap fuel, Bitcoin mining, artificial intelligence, and robotics. And no matter how I slice it, the thing that I've got in my head would scare the living piss out of anybody that actually wandered across this son of a bitch walking around in the forest doing its thing. It would be loud. It would be mechanical. It would be all by itself in the forest with some friends. And that will all be in the write-up. So look look for it. I don't know how I'm going to publish it. I don't know if I'm going to do it through Abla and direct to Noster or I don't know how else to do it. But it's at least an interesting idea. It could be impossible. It might not have a return on investment. But it's one of these ideas that are in my head. And if I don't get it out, it's going to drive me psychotic and I don't want to be any more psychotic than I already am. Hold on for the coffee break because I'm going to drink some coffee and I don't have a cough button. All right. We're going to start with this one from Bitcoin Magazine written by Nick Hoffman. Hong Kong-based Boya, B-O-Y-A-A, plans to buy $45 million worth of Bitcoin as a treasury reserve asset. Buying Bitcoin as a treasury reserve asset. We've heard this before from both companies that do it on purpose for good reasons and also companies like FTX. We're going to have to be very careful on this cycle as we come into the the Bitcoin cycle, we're going to have to be very careful with companies, especially Chinese or Hong Kong-based companies that are doing this because God only knows if they're above board or not. But Boya Interactive, a Hong Kong-based gaming company, has revealed plans for a potential investment in cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, as this endeavor seeks to enhance the group's asset allocation strategy. Following an earlier voluntary announcement in August of 2023, Boya's board views BTC and crypto acquisition as pivotal, pivotal, say it one more time, pivotal for its business expansion and asset allocation strategy. The company aims to seek shareholders approval to authorize a $100 million acquisition mandate for purchasing Bitcoin, crypto, and stablecoins Within a 12-month period, the proposed mandate outlines the key parameters. One, the mandate period. Two, the maximum amount. Three, the types of cryptocurrencies. Four, the acquisition consideration. And five, the authorization scope. The company anticipates dispatching a circular to shareholders by November the 30th, 2023, detailing the mandate's specifics and the proposed acquisitions. All right. Do we trust this company? I don't know. I've never even heard of Boya. I have no idea who these people are. So what is my presumption going forward? That they're going to snake their customers. They're, they're going to use Bitcoin the same way that FTX used Bitcoin. It's going to start a hype cycle. And we begin this entire thing all over again. Right? I mean, 45 million in, in Bitcoin isn't all that much when you really get down to brass taxes. But I've seen this playbook before. I do not trust this playbook. At this point, 
I don't really even trust Michael Saylor all that much. And it's not because I don't like him. I do. I think he's, I think the guy's forward looking. I think he's pretty smart. But I've seen too much chicanery in this space for too damn long for me to trust anybody about any of this shit ever again. Right? There's only, there's a very few big companies that I trust in this space. And those are the companies that are Bitcoin specific companies that have survived not one, but at least two bear markets. And my favorites are the ones that have been around for like, you know, 12 years, like CoinKite, right? Those guys have been around forever. They've survived everything, right? Uh, What else is around? River's been around for a long time. Swan has been around for a long time. Yes, I brought you some news about Swan yesterday that doesn't look exactly good for them, but still, they have survived. As far as I know, they're Bitcoin only. They are U.S. regulated, which means that they're going to have to jump through the hoops that we don't like seeing anybody jump through. So with that said about Swan, they still survive. They're still here. FTX, remember FTX came on the scene. We're buying Bitcoin. We're going to buy shit ton of Bitcoin. It was great. And everybody was happy. And of course, you've seen the fallout of all that stupidity. Do not trust Boya, B-O-Y-A-A. Do, 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 do keep an eye on what boy is doing, but I would not applaud this just yet. Well, again, as usual, ladies and gentlemen, we will have to wait and see. Now, the XRP dump. Yes, we're going to talk about Cripple or otherwise known as Ripple. It pumps and then it dumps on a fake BlackRock trust filing, according to Stacey Elliott, writing for Decrypt. For a brief moment, XRP holders were in disbelief, and for good reason. The BlackRock iShares XRP trust filing in Delaware that sent the crypto asset flying 12% in just a half an hour, it was a fake. It was a fake. Fakey to fakey. Someone did indeed submit the corporate registration in Delaware, but it wasn't BlackRock. (laughs) No, it wasn't. BlackRock which did register the name for its iShares Ethereum trust in Delaware last week, told Decrypt in an email that the XRP filing is indeed false. The fake XRP trust filing was registered with the same address and contact information as BlackRock's very real ETH filing last week. When BlackRock confirmed that the iShares Ethereum trust entity name registration in Delaware last week was real, Ethereum shot past $2,000 for the first time in a couple of months. That's because such registrations are typically a precursor to an ETF filing. In this case, things played out exactly as expected, with BlackRock later confirming its intentions for an Ethereum ETF in a NASDAQ filing. There's been a ton of anticipation and corresponding price action in connection with Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs, especially those that would be issued by BlackRock if they're approved. The $9 trillion asset manager is a Wall Street behemoth. BlackRock made waves in the crypto industry when it submitted a filing for its iShares Bitcoin trust in June, and each amendment or update has been followed by price rallies. Most recently, ETF analyst at Bloomberg noted that from now, Until November the 17th, there is a small window during which the SEC could approve at least 12, count them 12, pending Bitcoin ETF applications. 
That's because the SEC pushed the deadline on all of its Bitcoin ETF filings to November the 18th, and the period for comments has just elapsed. But so far, there's been no word on whether the SEC plans to approve any of the Bitcoin ETFs. Besides the falsified XRP trust name registration today, there's been other fake news eh, while the industry waits on the ETF approval. In October, a false report about the SEC having approved the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF application sent the BTC price up by 10% before it crashed back down. So there's the story. Now, my question is this. How do you, how does somebody register a product in the name of BlackRock in Delaware using whatever instrumentation and methods are used to do such a thing and have it not immediately be rejected by the receiving corporation or institution or whatever it is in Delaware that they're trying to register it with as clearly being fake because it was not presented by a chartered member or officer of BlackRock itself. Can I just call, what, who do, what do I do? Do I just call up Delaware and say, hey, Delaware, I want to register the uh, DCB ETF iShares fund. It's going to be great. And by the way, here's the listing information. It's BlackRock DCB iShares Trust Spot Bitcoin ETF application, whatever. And and here's the phone number to BlackRock. And my name is, I don't know, Joe Schmo. And Delaware says what? Sure, let's get this shit done. We'll release the news, uh, the press release right now onto the Bloomberg terminals. You know, no questions asked, no phone calls made. No, no, yeah, just whatever. Does this even sound like competency? No, it doesn't sound like competency. It sounds to me like we've got a system that is purpose-built for every single shred of chicanery to weir or to to you know raise its ugly head in the public and cause all kinds of pandemonium. We're seeing a price plunge in Bitcoin right now because it f- tracked along with the XRP. Once they figured out it was fake news, all of a sudden, who gets hurt? Bitcoiners get hurt. Why? Because a bunch of fucking scammers decided to do their bullshit scammery. And we're never getting away from it. They're here with it. It's like Jesus said about the poor. The poor will always be with, with you. Well, same thing with shitcoiners. The shitcoiners will always be with you. We're never getting rid of them. We're never getting rid of them. We can't. We want to, but there's no mechanism to do so. So be aware. Now, leading into that, Bitcoin bounces at 36,200 lows as CPI inflation slows beyond forecast. Oh, joy. Bitcoin targeted 37,000 on the November 14th Wall Street Open as the latest United States inflation data undercut expectations. Now, we're reading this for the CPI data, not the Bitcoin price data. Just understand that. Data from Cointelegraph Markets Pro and TradingView showed BTC price strength returning as the consumer price index reflected slowing inflation in October. That's right. The CPA came in at a 
0.1% below market forecast, both year on year and month on month. The annual change was 3.2% versus 4% for core CPI, the consumer price index. Quote, the all items index rose 3.2% for the 12 months ending October, a smaller increase than the 3.7% increase for the 12 months ending September. An official press release from the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics confirmed, quote, the all items less food and energy index rose 4% over the last 12 months, its smallest in 12-month uh, changes since the period ending in September of 2021, end quote. Compared with October, where CPI was just one inflation metric, which overshot versus market consensus, the situation was palpably, palpably different. Stocks immediately offered a warm reaction at the Wall Street Open with the S&P 500 up 1.5% on the day. Quote, this is the 31st consecutive month with inflation above 3%, but Inflation seems to be back on the decline. Financial commentary resource, the Kobesi letter wrote in part of the reaction, pausing to laugh my ass off. The thir- 31 months with inflation above 3%. Consecutive months. 31 consecutive months of inflation above 3%. But it's on the decline. We're going to be okay. Everything is going to be fine till you add up how much inflation we've actually racked up at the food stores and on energy prices when you fill up your gas. Oh, oh, I forgot to mention that neither one of those are actually in the CPI. No, your major expenses are energy and food. And then there's rent. We won't get into that. Just food and energy. But they stripped that out of the CPI. So whatever numbers these are, being as bad as they are, are absolutely not an indicator of how bad shit actually is. Kobesi, traditionally skeptical of Fed policy in the current inflationary environment, nonetheless called the print a good result (laughs) in line with other recent CPI releases. Meanwhile, Bitcoin reacted only modestly revisiting an interday low before rising towards 37,000 while still being range bound. Amazing or analyzing market composition, however, on-chain monitoring resource material indicators noted that liquidity was overall thin, a key ingredient for adding volatility. And then they go on more about uh, the Bitcoin price, but here's the problem. It's nowhere close to 37,000 right now, right? We've had another plunge. Right, uh, we'll get into that in a second when we, when we do numbers. But just guys, this CPI number is a complete fabrication at this point. It doesn't reflect at all, at all, nowhere close to at all what's really going on. In fact, uh, shadow CPI. I'm going to see if uh, I can get to shadow CPI, uh, shadow government statistics, alternate. Inflation charts. Uh, where are we showing? Yeah, let's see. Official and experimental and the SGS shadow government statistics. We're pushing over 7% inflation. Now, the, the alternate inflation charts basically has what the Government Bureau of Labor Statistics used to have in it years ago. 
And they, but they've just kept stripping. They stripped food out. They stripped energy out. They stripped all kinds of stuff out of the CPI. Why? Because they're fudging the numbers. And if you ever did that in a scientific laboratory at any university at all, and they found out you would lose your tenure, you would be summarily fired from your job, and word of your misdeeds would have spread through the university and research scientific communities like fucking wildfire, and you would never, ever, ever become a researcher again in your life. And yet we do it in the United States like we're eating a bag of M&Ms. It's okay. In fact, it's tasty. It's good for you too. All that sugar, don't worry about your pancreas. It's just bullshit CPI numbers. Don't be fooled by any of this crap. And this is one of the reasons why I get so aggravated when these false-ass CPI numbers come out and Wall Street reacts with a quote-unquote warm reception. These people also know this number is bullshit, but now it's so much of a game that they don't care. They don't care. All they know is the reaction that the rest of retail is going to get and they are going to buy and sell accordingly. It doesn't matter about the numbers. It matters about the perception. And we wonder why everything we see has the tinge of fiat. New churches being built won't last 20 years. A new McDonald's being built will probably last longer than those kinds of buildings. It's just, it's insane. But I, sorry, I'm, I'm digressing. Let's, let's see, what are we, we're at 21 minutes. Uh, yeah, we'll do this one. Because everybody, including me, cannot wrap their heads around drive chains. I don't, honestly, I don't know if I like drive chains or not. And the reason is because I can't fully understand drive chains. I've said this to you before, and I've brought to you a couple of stories about what drive chains are before, and I'm not going to stop. Because nobody is stopping with the drive chain thing, so we probably should do our level best to figure out what the fuck these things are. Drive chains, the future of Bitcoin scalability and sustainability. This is written by Austin Alexander for Bitcoin Magazine. The Bitcoin network is currently standing at a crossroads of tradition and innovation, with its future hanging in the balance. Already? Nope. You know what? No. I'm already tired of that bullshit. The first sentence of this article is already pissing me off. Bitcoin's future does not fucking hang in the balance because of anything. It's a genie out of the bottle. And if you've ever gone up against a genie in Dungeons and Dragons or any online multiplayer game, you should know that fighting a genie isn't exactly easy, right? Drive, I, I'm sorry, but this is bullshit, but we'll continue. Since its inception, Bitcoin has evolved from a fringe experiment into a global economic powerhouse inspiring conversations about the nature of money, finance, economics, and freedom. However, as Bitcoin's adoption continues to grow, so do the challenges that it faces. Scalability and flexibility have become paramount concerns, and a novel solution known as drive chains may hold the key to addressing these issues and solidifying Bitcoin's place in the global economic arena. 
Bitcoin's meteoric rise to prominence and tremendous on-chain growth has come with challenges. Despite its popularity, Bitcoin still faces issues in terms of being used as a mainstream currency for everyday transactions. It is primarily seen as a store of value or digital gold rather than a medium of exchange. Scalability has emerged as a pressing issue with the Bitcoin network limited in its ability to progress in handling an ever-increasing number of transactions in a timely, efficient, and secure manner. This bottleneck has led to higher fees and slower confirmation times, undermining its potential. Pausing. <coughs> Pausing. Hold on. Like Kid Warp. <laughs> Kid Warp, I hear you, man. Hold on. Hold on. What What does this sound like? If you've been around this space as long as I have, you should know exactly what this sounds like. This is the Roger Ver argument. Pre-2017 scaling block size wars. This was the argument that he made for two full years before the 2017 split that turned into, well, it turned into Bitcoin Cash. There was a fork on Bitcoin, turns into Bitcoin Cash. That's Roger Ver's thing. But before that happened, for two straight years, that's the Roger Ver argument. And here we have to do it again. Bitcoin's rigid use cases also pose a serious problem. As the cryptocurrency space continues to evolve, Bitcoin will continue to face growing undeniable competition from other blockchain platforms that offer faster transaction times, lower fees, and additional features. The inflexible nature of Bitcoin is what allowed new projects like Ethereum to flourish, staying competitive by securely facilitating new capabilities on-chain in the rapidly changing crypto landscape as a constant challenge and a clear necessity. No, it is not. The, the use of fear, and I, I'm saying that because of the, this sentence, the inflexible nature of Bitcoin is what allowed new projects like Ethereum to flourish. You don't want Ethereum to flourish, do you? Well, no, I, I think it's a shit chain and it's run by a complete set of scammers. But this, the use of that to try to get Bitcoiners over to embrace drive chains, I'm, I'm not liking drive chains because of the rhetoric being used to drive drive chains into my life. You see what, how that works? This is, this is rhetoric 101. This is the use of fear to get people on your side, and I don't cottonwood at shit. Despite these challenges, it is essential to remember the core principles that have guided Bitcoin since its inception, decentralization, censorship-resistant, and trustless transactions. Any proposed solution must preserve these foundational tenets. <clears throat> Derived chains represent a novel approach to improving Bitcoin's scalability and flexibility while maintaining these core principles. In essence, drive chains are separate blockchains that are pegged to the Bitcoin main chain. They allow for the creation of side chains, which facilitate experimentation with new features and functionality without compromising the security integrity of the main chain. Drive chains operate in a way that allows Bitcoin to be or Bitcoin to be temporarily locked on the main chain and then released on a side chain. 
where they can be used for various purposes. When the user is done with the side chain, they can, quote, withdraw their Bitcoin back to the main chain. This mechanism offers an elegant solution to the scalability issue as side chains can process transactions more efficiently with more confirmations and lower fees. Drive chains enable smart contract functionality and faster transactions, expanding Bitcoin's utility while maintaining its security. Prominent drive chain proposals including BIP300 and BIP301 and projects such as Z-Side have already made significant strides in bringing the concept to life. Drive chains offer several compelling advantages for the Bitcoin ecosystem. By offloading some transaction processing to sidechains, drive chains can significantly increase the overall transaction throughput of the Bitcoin network. This translates to faster and cheaper transactions for users, which is of paramount importance for Bitcoin to function as a currency. Uh, guy, we already have Lightning, and we have like lots of set of layer two shit on the way. But sure, go ahead. Drive chains also open the door to experimentation with the bit in the Bitcoin ecosystem without posing any risk to the network itself. Developers can explore new features and functionalities that they would otherwise need to turn to other chains and ecosystems to do in a sandboxed environment without risking the sanctity of the main chain. This fosters innovation and improvement while keeping Bitcoin at the forefront of digital currency technologies, allowing the ecosystem to grow to its full potential and maintaining improved functionalities. Drive chains also stand to dramatically improve the mining industry as well. Oh my God, it's a two for one by bringing in a tremendous amount of value of innovation into the industry, which would in turn increase mining rewards, even in the face of future having events. As with any technological advancement, drive chains are not without their critics and potential risks. Those who do not believe in the capacity of drive chain arguments typically revolve around a few key items, including security, decentralization, and governance. Skeptics worry that drive chains may compromise the security of the Bitcoin network. However, it is clear that rigorous testing and careful implementation can mitigate these risks. Detractors also argue that drive chains could centralize control into the hands of a few operators of sidechains. This issue is easily mitigated by proper design and governance of the chains that would not only maintain, not only maintain y'all, but would strengthen decentralization while also enhancing scalability of the network. Determining how drive chains are implemented, upgraded, and maintained is another key challenge. Implementation of an open and transparent governance process is essential to address these concerns. To ensure the successful integration of drive chains into the Bitcoin ecosystem, consensus and collaboration within the community are paramount. Ongoing research and development efforts related to drive chains, along with robust testing and security audits, could, well, should continue to be a priority. Open dialogue and debate within the Bitcoin community are essential to addressing concerns and refining the path forward. Yada, yada, yada. Bitcoin has proven its resilience and value is a decentralized, you know, that's the other side of the rhetoric. This is the last paragraph and I'm done reading it because I just read you a propaganda piece. That's my assumption. It doesn't mean that the nature of drive chains is in contention in my heart. I still, I've always thought that they were interesting. I don't know if they're good or bad for Bitcoin. We have layer two. 
And I'm not saying that because I'm saying that we don't need drive chains. I'm just saying we, we've kind of gone through this a little bit with layer two. So therefore, I don't dismiss the, the, the possibility that drive chains may, may read that as might have a place within the Bitcoin ecosystem. No, I don't disagree with any of that. To, what I'm trying to do is figure out exactly why we need drive chains, how they function, which leads to what they actually are, and what can they do for me beyond what I already have. And this article did nothing for that. It didn't tell me anything more about drive chains than I've already been told. But what it did do is reveal that at least in this writing, there is the use of pure rhetoric without a very well thought out argument as to why drive chains are necessary. There was a lot of words, but those words were not very telling. They didn't really describe how a drive chain functions. I think the words should the words written on this page should have been more about describing in allegorical ways what a drive chain does, how it functions, and it didn't. It used scare tactics and then came back at the very last couple of paragraphs to kiss my Bitcoin ass. So they scare me, but say Bitcoin's great, but you should be scared because Bitcoin isn't going to survive without drive chains. And I call bullshit. I don't, I think that without the, even whoever it is, and I can't remember his name who thought of drive chains, Stork, is it Paul? I think it's Paul Stork. Even if he never thought of drive chains, Bitcoin would still be Bitcoin. I don't need somebody to write pieces in Bitcoin magazine designed to scare me with rhetoric for me to either hate or love drive chains. What I need is somebody to say, here's exactly what they do. This is exactly how they function. This is exactly how they're structured. This is what they can do for you. This is how you don't have to take part of it. Here's what here's the load that your node is going to see if there is such a thing. If I'm running a node and I am, I'm running a full Bitcoin node. I don't want any extra bullshit. I already have ordinals to deal with. I don't need any extra data on my Bitcoin full node. I'm already getting to 78% of my drive. I'm going to have to change drives pretty soon because I've got a one terabyte drive. Like a dumbass, I got a one terabyter instead of a four. But... It is what it is. I'm going to have to do that. But I don't need any more bullshit, right? But nobody has really, it's either, it is either propaganda pieces like this about drive chains or something that's so mathematically heavy and computer science heavy and cryptography heavy that I still, still, I'm looking for that middle paper. Somebody to use, you know, allegories and examples and it's like this. It's like that. It works like this. It works like that. That's what I'm looking for. Something middle of the road. And this piece sadly did not do it for me. Now it's time for all good boys and girls to run the numbers.
CNBC, futures and commodities. I got oil. West Texas Intermediate is down scant. After posting a pretty sizable gain this morning, it came back down, I guess, because of the inflation numbers. I don't know. It would, it, you'd think that that manufacturing would have a, a chance to say, oh, light of day, you know, costs are going to start coming down and oil would rise. But no, alas, it basically erased all its gains. $78.15 right now. Brent North Sea likewise down 0.16%, $82.39. Natural gas is down almost three points to $3.10 per thousand. And gasoline is down 0.63 to 22.22 at $22. Well, no, $22. And 22.2 United States pennies. It's a row of ducks is basically what I'm getting at. Uh, Metals are all up, as you would imagine. Uh, 0.86% of the upside for gold, bringing it in at 1966. Silver is up, wow, 3.5 points, as is platinum. And copper is up almost half a point. Palladium rocking the boat, 4.3% to the upside. Uh, Ag is pretty much red, but kind of green a little bit. Uh, only winner, the biggest winner today is cotton. 1.25% to the upside. The biggest loser is going to be chocolate. 2.21% to the downside. Live cattle is up 0.4%. Lean hogs are down 1.3, while feeder cattle are also down a third of a point. The Dow, woo, up 1.47% as the S&P is basically smoking it 1.95% to the uh, upside. And NASDAQ is smoking the S&P 2.06% to the upside. And the S&P mini blowing them all out of the water to the fish line, 3.79% to the upside. Bond yields are all down across the board. It's red everywhere. So all the yields have come down. The United States 30-year treasury yielding 4.62%, the 20-year 4.8%, and the 10-year 4.44%. The dollar the dollar itself, the index, we had a crash today. It was hovering around a little bit on the, uh, you know, anywhere, but uh, I guess over the last month, let's say, between 107 and 105. And it just kind of been trading sideways. After today's CPI numbers, the dollar US dollar index, the DXY is now at 104.11, a sizable drop. We are at, good Lord, $35,330. That is not the funnest number that I wanted to see this morning as I was reading this. Uh, average uh, transaction values are what? Ooh, average transaction value is half a Bitcoin. That's good. Median transaction values are coming in at $66.97, which means ordinals are ruling the day. Uh, Block times are slightly high, 10 minutes, 8 seconds, 0.7 BTC taking in fees on a per block basis, and another 100 Bitcoin day. Past 24 hours, 100.2 Bitcoin have been taken in fees. So there you go. With a 17.17% drop in hash rate, we're at 413.39 exahashes per second. And your shitcoin indicator, Dogecoin, has lost quite a bit itself. 7.1 United States pennies as of right now. Market capitalization for Bitcoin has dropped to $692 billion. That is 5.29% of gold's entire market cap. 
you may now only purchase 18.3 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,542,124.28 of. 5,300 of those are in the Lightning Network valued at $187.5 million. There is 14,568 nodes that we know about sporting 62,507 payment channels and 81.4% of all that's being run over Tor. Block, uh, or block, uh, mempools are really, really laden today. Over 270 blocks carrying 207,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear at high priorities of 77 Satoshis per V-byte. Low priority transactions are going to come in at 66. Anything under two and a half Satoshis per V-byte, sorry for you, being purged from mempools around the world. Uh, mempool.space has a hash rate of 463 exahashes per second. So there you go. Boostagrams from Get the Flock Out of Here, yesterday's episode. Dubrovko, thank you for the 1,310 sats. You're mentally ill. Paradoxically engaged listeners would prefer you go back to the previous boosts. Also, FTX just keeps scamming. Amazing. Yes, I know. I got to figure something out about the the Boostergram thing. Maybe Activity Pub. I don't know how to use it, but apparently it's it it works very well for this sort of thing. I'm reading these from Fountain, uh, and I'm doing them show by show. So I do like the the show that I'm doing. I read from the show before the Boostergrams on that one. That's sort of the way that I've been doing it. The Tone Wrecker, one thousand and one says, and I ran. I ran so far away from Fiat. Pies with 250 says, thank you, sir. No, thank you. BitGus with 100 says, boost with 100 sats. And that's going to do it for the weather report. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. Australia going down under. They're going to impose a capital gains tax on wrapped cryptocurrency tokens because everything in Australia wants to kill you, including their own government. (laughs) The Australian Taxation Office has issued guidance on capital gains tax treatment of decentralized finance and wrapping crypto tokens for individuals, clarifying its intent to continue taxing Australians until they die. I mean, taxing Australians on capital gains when wrapping and unwrapping tokens. Did you did you get what I just said? I don't use wrap tokens. I think they're stupid. But now the very notion of wrapping up a token like a wrapped BTC on Ethereum or unwrapping that son of a bitch, they're counting that as you actually taking the gains from it. Wow. In May of 2022, the ATO outlined crypto, gain, crypto capital gains Crypital. We'll call them crypital gains as one of four key focus areas. Building on the initiative, the Australian taxman recently clarified a raft of taxable actions in its jurisdiction, the transfer of crypto assets to an address that the sender does not control or that already holds the balance will be regarded as a taxable CGT event, the ATO said in a statement. Quote, the capital proceeds... For the GC, sorry, the CGT event are equal to the market value of the property you receive in return for transferring the crypto asset, the ATO added. However, 
the CGT event will trigger depending on whether the individual recorded a capital gain or loss. A similar approach has been considered for taxing liquidity pool users, providers, and DeFi interest and rewards. In addition, wrapping and unwrapping tokens will also be subject to triggering a CGT event. The ATO stated, quote, when you wrap or unwrap a crypto asset, you exchange one crypto asset for another and a CGT event happens, end quote. The above statement clarifies that wrapping or unwrapping tokens, irrespective of their price at the time, will be subject to capital gains tax. Chloe White, the managing director of Genesis Block, who is also an advisor to Blockchain Australia, claimed that ATO is in breach of the technology neutrality principle, which ultimately impacts the financial future of young Australians. Yeah, screw those old guys. Adding to the pressures on Australians, local crypto exchange CoinSpot reportedly got hacked for $2.4 million in a probable private key compromise over at least one of its hot wallets. As previously reported by Cointelegraph, Etherscan shows a transaction totaling 1,262 Ether worth $2.4 was moved from a known CoinSpot wallet to the alleged hacker's wallet. <clears throat> Subsequent investigations found the stolen ETH was being swapped for Bitcoin via ThorChain and spread out across different wallet addresses. Not quite sure why they went into that at the very end of it, but okay. Because the, the real meat and potatoes of this is that they're coming after us. I don't wrap tokens. I would imagine most of the people that listen to the show don't get into that shit either. But there's a lot of people who do. And every on-ramp and off-ramp that can be hindered by government that love you, right? They love you. They're taking care of you. They will be hindered. Those on and off-ramps, even if they're internal on and off-ramps, are going to be stifled, stymied, picked on, pointed at, laughed at, burned at the stake as a witch, you name it. It's all going to be done in the name of keeping you safe because you're too stupid to keep yourself safe. You can't wipe your own ass. So therefore, the government is sending somebody to your house to do that shit for you. If they find out you wiped your ass by yourself, you're going to go to fucking jail. That's how these people think. They don't love you. They don't like you. They want you to die. I don't even think that they're aware that they want you to die. But they certainly, through their actions are telegraphing to me and everybody else that has a brain left after COVID and all the propaganda that went down over the last three or four years, we can see it for what it is. They don't like us. They don't want us to have any autonomy whatsoever. And it's not that they think we're babies. They want us to be babies because they don't want us getting in their fucking way. If, what way are they? What, where are they going? I don't know. But... I wish Jesus would come home on the exact same day that the aliens decide to invade the earth. Because we need, we, need a, a, we need an enema for the entire world. Like the Joker used to say, this town needs an enema. No, 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 no. You're not thinking big enough. This entire planet needs an enema. It does. It really does. Because we've got the CBOE launching leveraged Bitcoin futures trading this January. That's right. Nick Hoffman, Bitcoin Magazine, Chicago Board Options Exchange, the CBOE, 
Digitally announced today its plans to introduce trading and clearing and margin futures on Bitcoin commencing January the 11th, 2024. This move positions CBOE Digital as the first U.S. regulated cryptocurrency native exchange and clearinghouse to facilitate both spot and leverage derivatives trading on a unified platform according to the announcement, but we don't have spot. Initially offering financially settled margined contracts on Bitcoin, CBOE Digital plans to diversify its product suite to include physically delivered products pending regulatory approvals. The margin model is designed to enhance capital efficiency, enabling customers to engage in futures trading without the requirement of posting the full collateral up front. The unified spot and derivatives trading platform provided by CBOE Digital aims to streamline customer access to both markets, unlocking opportunities for increased capital and operational efficiencies. The upcoming launch of Margin Futures will be supported by other firms in the cryptocurrency and traditional financial sectors, including B2C2, Blockfills, CQG, Cumberland DRW, Jump Trading Group, Merrick, StoneX, Financial, Talos, Tasty Trade, Trading Technologies, and Web Bush. John Palmer, president of CBOE Digital, expressed gratitude for the support from industry partners stating, Our upcoming launch of Margin Futures represents a significant milestone for CBOE Digital, and we are grateful to have the support of such a remarkable group of industry partners who share our commitment to building trusted and transparent crypto markets. Futures have long served as valuable hedging instruments in the traditional financial markets, and we couldn't be more excited to extend access to this tool further into the digital asset marketing and offer margin trading for our customers. We believe derivatives will foster additional liquidity and hedging opportunities in crypto and represent the next critical step in this market's continued growth. Whoop de do give me another hayseed. The planned margin futures launch aligns with CBOE Digital's existing offerings of Bitcoin other cryptocurrencies, and stablecoin trading on its spot crypto market. Contract market or margin requirements for the new futures will be published daily on CBOE Digital's website accompanied by standardized portfolio analysis of risk, compatible risk parameter files for replicable margin calculations. That's the major cover your ass for this entire thing. Now, the Chicago Board Options Exchange Digital, the CBOE Digital. Okay, that's the name of this thing. I can only presume that this is actually an offshoot of the true, the one and only, the thing that's been around for, you know, well over 100 years, the Chicago Board Options Exchange, the actual CBOE. I hope that it's not like a fake filing in Delaware, right? And and it, just because I and I want to clarify this, I, I I just want to make sure that we're talking about an actual entity that really is part of the actual Chicago Board Options Exchange. Because if it's something else, if they're just borrowing the name, then none of this shit can be trusted. And we shouldn't trust this shit anyway, even if it is real. But why am I still hankering on this? The reason that I'm still on this and not moved on to another story is what message is this entire thing sending you? Lou, 
Kid Warp, C-Funk, anybody out there in Zapstream, I'll wait. After I read what I read, what is it that you think might be occurring behind the scenes? I'll drink some coffee for a second. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, I'll I'll do it this way. They mentioned that it's margin futures on Bitcoin as well, or it's a native exchange and clearinghouse to facilitate both spot and leveraged derivatives trading on a unified platform. That's what it is. That's what they say right here in the first paragraph. But we don't have a spot. What do you think's going on? Why are we announcing something? Why are we announcing a platform for a product that does not exist yet? Anybody? Anybody at all got a, I mean, it's okay. It doesn't matter if we're wrong or right, but just posit something out there. Come on, Lou, what do you think? Kid Warp? You got something? Okay, I'll get a posit. Uh, Lou says, because they know it will come sooner than later. Uh, Kid Warp says, Chicago is a tech center in the Midwest. (laughs) Good one, good one. Um, I think it's because they know that, like, it's sort of like what Lou's saying. Well, and Kid Warp is now saying it right straight up. ETF is inbound. It's inbound. They know something. You're, I mean, it's like I'm not going to launch a product that or a platform to sell a product that doesn't exist unless I know it's going to exist. And I think that this is a lot closer than we think it is. I, I really do. Does that mean that it's good for Bitcoin? No, I'm not even going to get into the good or bad for Bitcoin. It is, it, it's facts on the ground is what really affect us not what we think it's going to be not what you know like what was that dude the gold bug guy uh not kruger what's his name uh the dude with the beard the guy that's always shitting on bitcoin you know who i'm talking about i can't his name's not coming up he automatically was like yeah you're gonna get an etf and you're gonna watch what i've had to go through and i'm like i you know honestly i don't give a shit i i honestly don't care i just simply do not care right this is going to happen and i don't know what direction it's going to take bitcoin i don't know if it's going to make make sure that it caps at a price but even if it caps at a price it's going to be much higher than it is right now i don't necessarily want the etf but i know that i cannot stop the etf And now you've got the CBOE. And if it's the actual Chicago Board Options Exchange people and not some fakery, then they know something. That's what I'm trying to say. Now, uh, we already did that one. I don't need it again. Bitcoin researcher behind the BitVM, the Bitcoin virtual machine. Remember that one? Not too long ago. He ignites a fresh buzz with a new paper on file hosting. Now, this is the guy that's talking about doing computational calculations using the Bitcoin blockchain 
with NAND gates and NOR gates and logic stuff. And it's way above my pay grade. Well, he hasn't stopped with that. File hosting, is it going to be on the blockchain? Do I have to get a five terabyte drive? I don't want a five terabyte drive. I brought this to you before, but now Jamie Crawley at a coin desk, maybe they've had enough time to pull this apart and we can get some details as to what the hell this is. Bitcoin researcher Robin Linus, who turned heads last month with the release of his BitVM paper outlining a path for bringing Ethereum-style smart contracts to the original blockchain, is creating a buzz with his latest publication, A Proposal, for decentralized file hosting incentivized via Bitcoin payments. The new Bitstream proposal by Linus, a core contributor to Bitcoin-based zero-knowledge proofs developer ZeroSync, sets out how an open market for content hosting could be created by an atomic swap of coins for files. Oh God, are we going to ICO my Word documents now? Using payment channels like Lightning, the server would charge for each download, thereby avoiding spiraling overhead costs in the event of a subsequent huge number of downloads. Quote, the server encrypts the file such that if there's any mismatch during decryption, the client can derive a compact fraud proof, Linus said in the abstract to the white paper dated November the 12th. Quote, A bond contract guarantees the client receives the exact file or they can punish the server. The Bitstream proposal echoes the BitVM paper's attempt uh, to address the risk of damaging the network's performance by clogging it up with transactions or other computations by carrying them out off-chain. In both cases, transactions or computations would only need to be carried out on-chain for verification or to address a dispute. In response to Linus's post about the new white paper on Twitter, one user suggested Bitstream could do for storage space what BitVM does for execution time, with which Linus agreed and confirmed that the two proposals could indeed be combined. Oh, God. Another poster on Twitter asked, quote, what makes this better than the numerous storage cryptocurrencies that we've had before? Linus answered, it's Bitcoin. <laughs> okay, so not a whole lot more about this particular paper in this piece. But if you haven't heard, the BitVM paper has really lit a fire under a bunch of people's asses. Again, we don't know if it's good or bad. There, I think that the arguments could be made either way, but it is interesting. And again, what's my premise? If Bitcoin allows a thing to occur, then that thing will occur, whether it's good or bad, whether you like it or hate it, whether it's useful to you or not, right? It doesn't matter. Bitcoin doesn't care about you. It doesn't care about me. And it certainly doesn't give a shit about the CBOE. But that said, it can be utilized to do a, a lot of different stuff. So, just I'm just saying, file storage has been tried before. Uh, what was the name of that company? It was, oh, it was Filecoin. Filecoin. Do you remember Filecoin? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. So, now, what's happening here? 
we can look at it two ways. One, all the things that can be done on any other chain can be done on Bitcoin. And we probably don't even need drive chains for that because it sounds to me like drive chains is just, it, it, it's, it's a thing that's trying to find a problem to solve. That doesn't mean I hate it. It just means that I think it's superfluous. Be that as it may, all the things that all the other things do can indeed be done on Bitcoin. We've always said that. The second thing that this makes me think of is, do we need it? Is it necessary? Do I have to have this shit? And I know that Michael Saylor, among other people, have actually, I think it's more Jack Dorsey than Michael Saylor. I think it's Jack Dorsey that wants a GitHub replacement on Noster, not not technically on Bitcoin, but with the BitVM and the possibility, like Linus said, of combining that with this whole file hosting thing, now that we have Noster, I mean, I again, the way all this actually works is indeed above my pay grade. And I don't mean to make it sound like I'm trying to be smart, like I can see the future and all that shit. I'm just going with my gut feelings here. Because Noster is so well integrated into Bitcoin without actually impacting Bitcoin at all, because it's via the Lightning Network more than anything else, and that Noster uses uh, like the same kind of security uh, cryptography that we use for spinning up wallets in Bitcoin, there's something gut feeling about this relationship that does make sense, but we got to be really freaking careful that we don't screw the pooch here, ladies and gentlemen. And I hope that Robin Linus is actually thinking along those lines as well. Now, Julian Faguero, I, I, there's no way I could pronounce Julian's last name. F-I-G-U-E-R-O-A. Figueroa? Figueroa? I don't know. But he's on Noster. And he says, sup, Noster, I got a big experiment started and I want your help. He's looking for help. I think in order to take on traditional social media, we have to play a bit of offense on their home turf. Fiat Joff has been kind enough to send me some sats to run a trial Facebook plus Instagram marketing campaign on my Noster 60 second short to see if we can get some data on who tracks best to the appeal of Noster. If you haven't seen his 60-second short, and if you don't know who I'm talking about, go find him. Kinetic Finance at btcw.app. You can probably use a Noster client. Kinetic Finance, Kinetic Finance, Kinetic Finance at btcw. App. You can probably use Noster and plug that in as a Nippo 7 or whatever. whatever I can't remember if it's 5 or 7. It d- doesn't matter. It's a way to identify Nostriches on Noster clients. Go find it short. It's hilarious. I loved it. It was great. And now Fiat Joff has given him money to start taking that into the streets of Instagram and Facebook. And like he says, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to actually go back and compete on their own turf. We cannot 
constantly fight home games. We can't do it. There's not a college football team or a pro football team anywhere in the world, even baseball teams and and football, whether European or American. It doesn't matter. Everybody plays away, and then they play at home. And then they go away, and they come back home. We call that homecoming. The The first home game after the first away game of a season is traditionally in the United States homecoming. But we're fighting at home all the time. I agree with Julian. And I think Fiat Joff is, I think this is great. I am permanently banned from one of my Instagram accounts because I linked it to threads. And I guess I said something that somebody didn't like on threads. So I got banned from both of them for life. And I'm just not even interested in trying. And I'm banned from Twitter permanently. So I can't go there. But Facebook and God forbid LinkedIn and a handful of other places, I can go. And I think that this is a good idea. And in this, Julian is actually using the ad stuff from Facebook and Instagram where they say, hey, you want to run an ad? It's going to cost you 30 bucks a month. You know, here, here's, here's your, your, your user interface to put in all your stuff about the ad that you want to run. He's actually using that. He's not using like a, a bastardized version of Zappagrams or Zapvertising. He's not just, you know, he's actually using the, the curated ways for Facebook and Instagram to get ads out for their users. That's what he's using. And I applaud him because we're going to have to take that fight to the streets. Speaking of the streets, the streets of Minneapolis are going to light up. Their meetup is confirmed December the 20th, 2023. This is from Brandon Quidham. If you don't know Brandon Quidham, he is an excellent follow on Noster. Just Quidham, Q-U-I-T-T-E-M. Brandon Quidham wrote a great paper about, he writes a lot, actually he's written a few papers about mushroom mycelium and how it looks like the Bitcoin network and the resilience that lies within that kind of network, whether it's Bitcoin or, or mycelium. It doesn't matter. It's Brandon Quidham. He's announcing the Minneapolis meetup. It's confirmed December the 20th, 2023. It's going to be at uh, OS Distilling Company. OS, it's at OS Distilling Company on Noster. It is from 6 to 10 p.m. And here's the, the punchline. Remember Ainsley Costello? If you have been like I've asked you to go to Wave Lake and you know and go to artists and support artists, Ainsley Costello held the number one spot with one of her songs for something like sixteen weeks on Wave Lake. Well, she's getting out there, and she's going to be performing at a Bitcoin meetup. She's a Bitcoiner. She's a value for value gal on Wave Lake. She understands it. And she's like 16, 17, something like that. She's not exactly, you know, a baby, but she ain't exactly a full-blown adult in, as far as United States terms are, are going, which is kind of sad, but it is what it is. Anyway, she is going to be performing live at a Bitcoin meetup. The concert by Ainsley Costello will be followed by a social at OS Distilling Company. This is her very first value for value live show. It will be live streamed. Bring your lightning enabled wallets. 
So if they're going to live stream this and you can't get to Minneapolis, then I think we should, I think we should all be putting this on our calendars, December the 20th, six to 10 PM, probably Minneapolis time, which I guess is central time for the United States. And I guarantee you that they will show her lightning address. And if we can be from remote listening to her concert and zapping her from our television screens, it's actually going to add even more. And we should, whoever that we can get to do this, we should be streaming us zapping Ainsley at the Minneapolis meetup. Like live on Zapstream, live on Twitch, like get onto all the other legacy platforms and show people the power of what we're able to accomplish, especially together, right? So again, December 20th, 2023, 6 to 10, Minneapolis. Uh, reach out to Brandon Quidham if you want more information about it. The Bitcoin dev mailing list is looking for a new home. Our current mailing list host, Linux Foundation, has indicated for years that they want to stop hosting mailing lists, which would mean that the Bitcoin dev mailing list would need to move somewhere else. We've temporarily avoided that, but recently the Linux Foundation has informed a moderator that they will cease hosting any and all mailing lists later this year. And the years, we're, we're coming to the end of it, guys. We're coming to the end. Um, so <clears throat> the Bitcoin mailing dev mailing list has been around forever right? Forever. Some of the major contributors to the early days of Bitcoin have their posts on there. Now, from what I understand, they're going to be archiving all the emails of all the hosted mailing lists that that the Linux Foundation has ever done. So that shit should be safe. But if you know how to help these dudes out, then try to help them out. And maybe we can do it, help them out, like having a a full archival copy of everything they do going forward with the Bitcoin dev mailing list as a nip for Noster. I don't know, but just be aware that that is, uh, that's out there. And the Human Rights Foundation has launched its CBDC tracker. I'm proud to announce the release of the tracker. The Interactive Globe shows the status of each country's CBDC efforts and explains what the risks of CBDCs would mean in the context of each country's treatment of human rights and civil liberties. And that is uh, <clears throat> was a quote from Nicholas Anthony, an HRF fellow. So they've released the CBDC tracker. That's pretty much all you need to know right there. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, dad says jokes. Because it's jokes time. When I was little, my parents always fed me alphabet soup, claiming that I liked it, but they were just putting words in my mouth. Eh? 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 Did it make you cringe? I hope it made you cringe. That's what a good, bad joke is supposed to do. All right. If you want a sports show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can stream me Satoshis. You can boost me. You can do all the things. But none of this helps. None of this helps if I can't get the word about this show out on the streets. Sort of like what Julian's trying to do. And I'm, I may actually follow suit. I mean, it it makes it would make me feel dirty and nasty, but I still have a Facebook account. 
even though I'm booted off of threads. I kept waiting for them to kill me on Facebook after that, but they, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that didn't, how that didn't happen, but I'm still on Facebook. <clears throat> I don't use it, but I'm still on Facebook. So, you know, why not? But what I've noticed over the last few days is that a lot of you guys are, have been out there kicking total ass on getting this show out. You're boosting the the show um the show announcement. You're like you know, renoting everything that that comes out about the show. You're saying like you're I mean some of the things that people have said about the show damn near brings a tear to my eye when they're, you know, like trying to renote this to get it out the word out. I can't thank you enough. That that right there, that continued activity right there that's the way marketing should work. It's not that I hire somebody to be my mouthpiece. The people that actually like the show are the people that are saying and not being a mouthpiece. They're the ones that are actually using their thoughts, their energy, their time, their talent to sit down and write something about why you should listen to the show. I cannot thank you enough. There's not enough words in the English language for me to form a big enough sentence that would allow me to clearly harvest my feelings about what I've seen over the last few days. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again. I I, I don't really know what to say after that because it really means a lot to me. But you guys have stepped the fuck right up to the plate and I appreciate every second of time that you've ever spent either listening to me on this show or trying to help promote the show. And I hope you don't stop. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.